You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowance and I'm joined as ever by Matt Kendrick. And James Rushton is joining us this evening as well because we've won and James Rushton is a fickle podcast fan. Um, gents, are you well? You're, mate, you're the arm hair fan. Don't, don't start slacking, uh, don't like start slacking James Rushton off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for context, people don't follow me on Twitter to the, the tiny amount of people that don't need context and follow don't me. Need context, crack on. I was waiting for Ollie Watkins' goal to be ruled off for, offside for an arm hair being offside or something. So we'll get to that shortly. Yeah. Um, I tweeted at half time saying obvious tweeting coming, but Newcastle are woeful, aren't they? And people were telling me, oh, you're jinxing it. Stop talking about it. We're going to throw it away now. Like my tweets have somehow got impact on what Aston Villa do. But. Newcastle are poor, aren't they? <laughs> They're really, really bad. I don't want to jinx it for the next time we play them, so I don't want to say anything. <laughs> They'll have a new manager by then. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure, sure we'll, we'll get into might have one by the end of this podcast. What <laughs> <laughs> vegetables when we chucked at him today, then? Anyway, I tweeted, I, I t- again, also about my Twitter, I tweeted like, you know, when he's pointing it for a substitute to come on, he, I was like, what, what is he saying? What, you know, what do you think Steve Bruce says to people when people are sending silly replies back? And someone says something about, oh, that's where they threw the cauliflower at me. <laughs> I just made me laugh because it's not even the right vegetable. And also someone else said it called it a lettuce. So I think Villa fans need to do their uh, vegetable research because it was a cabbage. So anyway, enough nonsense. We're only a minute in. What do you think about the game? Too easy. It was, wasn't it? So, you know, when you think when I think of Newcastle, I always think of like the Kevin Keegan Newcastle the first time, and like Alan Shearer scoring all the time, and then being up there, you know, qualifying for Europe, and got Gareth Barry having to separate two of their players because of a fight. And since then, it's just been like depressing. And I mean, we're Villa fans, and we've been through a lot, but. My God, they were, they were like pretending to be like San Marino today or something. They were pretending Villa had like twelve nil lead. It was, and that's Newcastle United, you know, a, a prestigious team, a team of a big name. They not, might not have been that su- successful as in terms of winning trophies, but that's poor. It's, it's weird, bad. really, because you look at you look at it and you think, obviously, we haven't watched much of Newcastle, but you expect them to be fairly solid defensively, go a little bit route one, and you know, give it to St. Maximan or whoever like we did when we had Grealish and Bruce there, give it to him, he'll, he'll sort it for you. But it's not even that. You, you just watch Newcastle. And I kind of think, I don't even know what they're, what they're attempting here because for the large part, they're not attempting anything. There was no real threat from them. Defensively, they weren't brilliant. Once Villa went 2-0 up before half-time, in the second half, we haven't had to come out of se- second gear. And, and you could look at it and go, oh, Villa only beat Newcastle 2-0. We've not tried for the second half. This is the thing, isn't it? It's People say you should have killed the game off. The game was killed off. Yeah, like Newcastle had seventy percent possession. The second half didn't do anything with it. They were, you know, they, they were diabolical to put it bluntly. They don't, they they don't press very well. When they are pressing, when John Joe Shelby's chasing you, it's like jogging. You know what I mean? It, when you mm-hmm. see how Villa do it in Liverpool, all all the good teams who do it and who've set the standard for it this year, and even the the general pressing statistics have kind of backed off this year, probably because of the, the COVID and the break, the the short break. Newcastle are just not not involving themselves in anything and let Villa do any whatever they wanted to. So easy goals and Villa could have had more. It was just too too easy, Matt. Well, yeah. Listen, I'll, I'll have a little moan. I'll, I'll slag off Newcastle a little bit, but I want to focus on how, how good Aston Villa are. Uh, in a while, <laughs> but I thought Carrigan nailed it towards the end. He had a little monologue as he was wrapping up the game and he described Newcastle as a nothing club. And I, he said no boring as well. 
Yeah, and he's right, and I, I do, like, I don't, I don't want to lay it on too thick, but yeah. I, I do feel for him because he's he's a dreadful combination that they're going through at the moment. Um, but having said that, Aston Villa were very good. Um, I went on a podcast with one of their guys, Andrew Musgrove, yesterday from the Newcastle Chronicle, our sister title, um, and he asked me, God, who was Villa's danger man? And I started running through the whole team. He said, who 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 are the ones to watch in the Villa team? I said, I'm not going to run through the whole team. And then I proceeded to run through the whole team. Um, and I just do think we have we have quality everywhere at the moment. And yeah. so we'll, there'll be setbacks along the way and there'll be setbacks when we don't play well, not just because referees uh, have got a, an agenda against us. <laughs> um, but the quality of the two goals, I mean, the first goal, yeah, Newcastle didn't, you know, Shelby didn't, didn't track track. Um, Matt Target or Jack Grealish down the left, and but the ball, the quality of the, the delivery. I mean, we 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 raved a lot about Matt Cash's delivery, but you know, mm. fair play to to Matt Target because you know he's whipped it into the corridor of uncertainty. Your fellas kind of helped it Very on. Tick. Your, your fellas <laughs> helped it on, and it's just super brave, isn't it, Ollie? He's just kind yeah. of put his head in where it hurt, expecting the goalkeeper to jump with his hands. The goalkeeper's <gasps> jumped with his shoulders. He should have took his head on. clean off. Oh, does and, it count um, as a pass back? I don't. I don't even know because Mings did one, and Martinez just picked it straight up and ran off. And why did he not just clear, <laughs> clean Holly Watkins out? It's fantastic from him though. That he's, he's always like there or thereabouts. And when the ball's played in, that sounds like, like a Steve Bruce, isn't that? Does there or thereabouts? <laughs> I thought we got rid of that. <laughs> but like you know how how he gets called offside by the slight like dancer, the, the little arm hair. He's always right on the precipice of causing some so much damage. And mm. you know, I think it was first time in like nine games, Sky Sports said, and he's always been a danger but scoring it today. Um, you, you just get so buzzing for him. You always think he deserves a goal and he gets it. When they when they said about it, it was his first goal in nine games, obviously I knew it was a drought. They said since the double against Arsenal and obviously he scored another that he was offside for. Um great finish that second one, by the way. Um <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of think, oh, no goals in, in nine games. That's not great. And then it's his ninth goal of the season. It's like, oh, that's still a, a good return for a striker. He's just on a big drought. And he's had a two, two, maybe three goals ruled out during that spell as well. Yeah, I think we should spend a couple of minutes um, kind of gushing about Ollie Watkins because I've never seen his head drop. You know, I know, I know he's only been here five months and I've never actually seen him. That's probably why I've never seen his head <laughs> drop. I've never seen his head drop on the telly. You know, he's just he's just relentless. He, His work he, takes, right. bat, he takes batterings off defenders and and drop, pulls himself back up and continues playing. He makes yeah. the ball stick. He runs the left channel. He runs the right channel. You know, he manages to to drop deep when he needs to to get the ball, but then he's still got the energy to get back in the box. Um, I think we have got a really really special player there. Um, Agreed. And I'm just delighted for him that that he's got that goal. And like I said, it's but it's not as if it's weighed on him, is it? You know, you see some strikers who start snatching at things. And he's just thought, oh well, you know, I've got the ability, you know, I've got the energy, I've got the, you know, I've got the the brain power to make these runs, and he, he just kept at it. So I'm really, really chuffed to bits for him. Um, the second goal as well was just, you know, I, I think you're right. Troy has only got one foot. I think he's only got a right foot. I think he, I don't think he's got a left foot. The finish. <laughs> The finish was absolutely brilliant, and um, the, the way he's got Jack it, as well. Well, yeah, the we way get to the goal. Well, the way he took the they took the man out in the first place to to, to feed the back wall, the ball back into Jack. Jack's probably one of the most intelligent players, well, in the Premier League, isn't he? Because a lot of players would whip that back into a busy penalty box. He, he knows exactly where um, Troy is. Stop, yeah. You know, cuts it back to him, and then bang, 
top corner. Brilliant. It was game over. I think it was game over at 1-0, like James yeah. said, but it was it was definitely game over then. I actually thought we were going to go on and batter them then. Um, I think it was both ways, batter it? them 2-0, but... Yeah, it, it, we could have we could have been absolutely relentless there and, and, and won 4 or 5 nil quite easily, but I think because of the break that we've had, because we've got Jack on a yellow, obviously he came off towards the end. There's a little bit... Ross Barker's only just come back from his injury as well. There's no need to have done any more than we did in that second half. There was no danger that Newcastle were going to come into it. If they do score one goal, you suspect Villa would step it up and score the third anyway, and there was never a threat that we that we don't win that tonight. I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> Jack Grealish's reaction when he came off made me laugh. Sulky face, got a face like a smack backside on me. It was like... Um, like it now, probably, I'd, I'd have thought. It was like when your kind of mum says you've got to come in for tea and you just want to play for another five minutes. Mum! Just another five <laughs> minutes and he, he's coming with a face like thunder. Um, so brilliant, but that, that just shows how much he, he loves playing football, doesn't he? I mean, it's the yeah. wise thing to do, like you say, with him walking a suspension tightrope. You can tick that off on your cliche yeah, being um, yeah, yeah. People, people said like Ross Barkley and Grealish ain't happy because they've been taken off. Are they unsettled? Is it you know what's what's going on there? Matt, they just wanted to destroy Nuke. They wanted players to get on the end of their passes. They wanted to make the right ball. Some that sometimes they made the wrong decision. They wanted it to go a little bit better for themselves today. That's the only problem. They wanted the extra five ten minutes to mm-hmm. have the extra crack at, at them. And I feel I feel like going back to what we said earlier. Like the, the the matches where Villa have stunned the opposition and played a really great game, it's when the other teams fired a few warning shots. You know, like Liverpool scored a few goals before we we battered them. Crystal Palace gave us a warning shot really early on, and we we stepped back and went, "Oh, we need to turn this game off." What warning shot? And we don't want to speak about Newcastle anymore on this one because we, we've already hammered him in the first four minutes of the podcast. Um, but you know, what warning shot? Can, when did you think, "Oh, Villa need to really turn this turn up now"? Like well, like we said, it was done. It was you know the, the disappointment. His players didn't get an extra five minutes to get an extra goal. That's the only, the only yeah. issue. And there's a point here that yeah. Phil Curry's just commented is exactly what was in my brain. So I'd be disappointed if they were happy to come off. Yeah. I don't want Jack Grealish prancing off, going, "Oh yeah, well my job's done. We get to sit on the bench for ten minutes." They should be upset to come off because, like you said, they want to score goals. They want to they want to win games as comfortably as possible. If he doesn't get three minutes out at the end of the game to, to carry on toying with Newcastle, I expect no, him to be upset. Exactly. I think it's worse, mate. I'm really worried now. I'm expecting the, the, the Sunday tabloids tomorrow, you know, Villa Rock by double transfer request. <laughs> um, reaction, just like I said, don't want to talk about Newcastle too much, but uh, Steve, Steve Bruce coming, I know there wasn't a crowd there to mock him tonight, but Steve Bruce coming back to, to Villa Park, it's an allergy time again. But it must be like, it must be oh, like, one. when you've fallen out, you know, you've broken up with, with, with your partner. And they, you know, and they're still kind of distraught. And they check out your Facebook page, and they see you kind of walking hand in hand with your new love, and feeding each other kind of Maltesers with your, your arms intertwined and stuff like that. And it's, it's a very hailed in love story here. <laughs> not, not only, not only as his time's bad for him where he currently is at, you know, and he's gone back to his first love. Not only at times bad there, but he's seen, he's seen this kind of this. this I don't know. I feel for him. Not much, but a little I bit. I don't. I don't care. Um, like you said, enough about Newcastle. I'm at risk here of doing what you did when you said you went on this Newcastle podcast and you saw, you know, listen off every player and saying, I'm not going to talk about everyone and then going on to do that. I do want to highlight a couple of players and like I said, I don't want to mention everybody, but we, we will probably fall into that trap of saying, oh, he was good as well. Oh, and so, so was he. Um, when the team news comes out, some people are thinking that Jacob Ramsey is going to come straight in and replace McGinn. 
I never thought that would be the case. I thought it would be Nakamba with... Well, of um, course you did. I did, I did. Oh, I didn't say it anywhere because I was off, so I just said it on a preview podcast, but I wasn't invited. Anyway, I did think it'd be that. I didn't think he was going to throw Ramsey straight in. Um, there was a possibility that, that Grealish could have played inside and El Ghazi could have started. That was the other alternative. I didn't see Ramsey starting. But this is like the whole point of the, the meltdowns pre-game for, for team news and stuff and being trying to do loads of preview stuff and guessing what the players might be like. Because at what time was the, the team? Seven o'clock? People are going, oh, Nakamba. Oh, what? And then he's brilliant. Let me Nakamba talk was to you about he was, so, he, he was so good. He's marvelous. Yes. Yeah. Take that off so, the cliche list. I've got to tell you about Nakamba. Ninety. So he made. I think he made the second most passes in the team with sixty-five. How many of them did he miss? Oh, as soon as so you're sixty-five total. Pa- sixty-five total passes. How as soon many? As you're asking this, I assume that he didn't miss a single one. 64 he made, so he missed one pass the entire game. That's that poor. isn't it is a re- again, it's a reflection of what Newcastle didn't offer. But yeah. Nakamba, with the, the you can only play the game you've got. Nakamba, usually, there's so many criticisms. I mean, not being able to pass, not being able to do this and that. He comes in after a break, he's not playing regularly for Villa, makes every pass given to him by one, which is can't offer more from a defensive midfielder, really. Can you with nothing to do? Do you watch matches with Abacus? Because I, I only watch them with a with a beer at hand. But there, there's you, your, your, your geeky stats. We don't need your stats. We can see without naked eye how good marvellous Campbell was. Grant just one of my friends. Grant just tagged me in it like this second, so I thought that's that's bang on and very timely. So one of your geeky, boring, nerdy friends. Hello, Grant. If you're watching, <laughs> thing is though, thing is, until like the I don't know the 80th minute or so, I was thinking we've done this without John McGinn. Like, I forgot that we were even missing him, do you know what I mean? And go back 18 months, two years, John McGinn being missing out, out of midfield would be an absolute massive blow to Villa. Now I forget he even exists because Marvis Nakama comes in and, he, yeah, he's fine. Does a great job. Oh, mate, a big, strong Glaswegian like him who's probably sat in the stands with a, a blanket across his knees or something while, <laughs> while the rest of the rest of the boys did the business. Hey, I'll tell you what I wanted to... Um, I know we're not going to single out every player, but... Um, We've spoken about Matt Target with the delivery for the first um, for the first goal. I loved it when he went clattering into who was it Mankio? He, he, he clattered yeah. into him. Oh, and when he's like, he smashed the ball in his face as well. Have <laughs> <laughs> that one just for extra. Brilliant. <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of tackle they say that you need to kind of rouse the crowd in it. Yeah, uh, rouse me. I was just sitting back back at home and I was like, go on, have him. <laughs> Matt Target, we spoke about him on the, the last episode that you and me did, Matt, and possibly even the one before. The turnaround he's had in the last year or so, I mean, since last year, sorry, he's been brilliant this year. And as much as we've all said, oh, well, left-back's probably a position we want to improve. There's no need to be doing that at the moment. Matt Target is a very good left-back at the moment. And I think that the improvement that we all saw in players like Concer over the last year and how he's stepped up, I think we're seeing that in Matt Target now that he has developed a lot in this last year and having a year's worth of Premier League experience with Villa. And, and playing in a settled back four with a very good goalkeeper behind him and a very uh, a really informed Jack Grealish ahead of him, it's it's so easy for Matt Target to have good games now. But all the blocks he puts in and that, that slide tackle that you mentioned and, and the delivery that he's got for for the goal as well, excellent Matty Target. If you're watching, and Matty Cash on the other side as well, two two Matties, the fullbacks, excellent. Yeah, the whole defence, Martinez. I think every player really. And if you we could sit here and genuinely give. 11 names and the subs. Jacob Ramsey comes on and looks a little starry. He's got like 20 seconds to play. <laughs> so, yeah, fair fair play to Villa today, mate. It look, it's, I think it's like the big club performance. 
Well, you know what I mean? It's mm. like, whatever, here's a 2-0 routine win. That's rare for you know, us to feel that when we be on in the championship. So long may that feeling continue. Very good. Yeah, I think that it's interesting, Matt Target, you know, because a lot of the other positions have had pressure on the position to kind of, you know, we've said, haven't we, that Villa needed to upgrade on what they got last season. And, you know, players who were in the first team, you know, needed to be replaced by better quality that meant your, your mm. bench was stronger. We, with respect to Neil Taylor, I don't think he's had anybody breathing down his neck. So the the, the, the improved performance level he's had has, you know, it's obviously come from coaching, but it's come, come from within as well. Um, and whether it's a kind of, you know, even if it's a, an unconscious realisation that, crikey, this team's going somewhere, I've got to really up my game if I want to yeah. kind of stay stay involved. Um, but but he's been brilliant. Um, I don't think really, did Martinez have, have much to do? Did that did that defence really look like being breached? No, not, not at all. I think they did, did that. Martinez came out a few times and, and, and claimed crosses and stuff and thought, yeah, confident, comfortable. I think the... the Possibly the the caption for this one or the post London tonight was confident and composed and, and stuff like this. Which that's how I feel about Villa at the moment. That I'm, I always remember. I know it sounds silly to keep bringing it up, but when we started well at the start of this season, every podcast we did, we were going, "Well, you know, this might run out at some point." And we're now almost at the halfway point of Aston Villa season and the halfway point of most of one, everyone else's uh, season because we're a few games behind, and it hasn't stopped yet. I think the the test comes now that. Yes, everyone kind of expected us to win tonight anyway because Newcastle are so poor. We're at home. You know, obviously we've had this break, but, you know, we've still been good this year. I think the test comes now probably in this next two games that we're playing Burnley again, who we struggled to break down a few weeks ago, that we now have to go and prove that we can break them down and, and put them to the sword. And then Southampton, which I think is, is a week today, that obviously I almost said they battered us when we played them last time. That's probably not true because it was only the set pieces that, that won it. And it, it's just a 3 0 game. It feels like a battering. But that's a, a wrong that Villa will want to, to put right this time around. So I think those next two will kind of show a measure of how much Villa have progressed even in the last in the last month or so. Because if you if you're if you get to that nineteenth game for Villa and you're on potentially thirty five points if you win them both, that's the points total we have for the entirety of last season. And we'd be having that at the halfway point this year. So the turnaround is incredible. And if we do do something like that, even if we get three points out of the next two or four. Villa are on course for a, a really good season here and because it's a bit of a weird one that the top teams aren't really winning consistently. Like I think Jamie Carragher said, this is an opportunity for someone to slip in there like a, a Southampton or an Everton or a Villa. This could be Villa's year to get into that top six unexpectedly or unexpectedly, and kind of ahead of the, the target. That nobody, I don't think, internally would be aiming that 2020 was or 2021 was the year that Villa get into Europe. It was probably a, a three-year plan or a five-year plan. It's a, it's a really serious chance that Villa could actually go on and do this this year. It's it's mental to even think about it because you think, oh, well, they'll fade away at some point and injury might hit them or whatever. But so far, so good. And if that keeps up, we might be going to Europe next year. They're on if pace. We're, if we're allowed. <laughs> they're on pace for an extra 36 points based on current results. So if the game's going forward, 36 on top of, of, of 29, 29. So that's in, you know, considering that's was that more than the points we had in, in that last season for you said 35 35. We ended the season, I think. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're yeah. on pace to do better than last season in the, the remaining games, which is you know just incredible. And even in that, added on to the 29 points you already have, that's you know, it, it's a territory you couldn't even imagine mm. last season. You know, after that West Ham game, you think, oh, yeah, we could we could build on this, don't half build, half built on it. It's fantastic. <laughs> 
I don't want to get into your habit of jinxing stuff because it's one thing jinxing by saying Newcastle are crap and, and them coming roaring back, <laughs> which didn't happen. It's another thing jinxing the entire season. <laughs> but looking at that points tally, you, you reminded us that we finished on, on 35 last season. We could match that by the end of this time next week. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's not, I mean, obviously Burnley's a difficult game and Southampton's a difficult game, but they're both winnable. It's not, oh, yeah, you're, it's not, not you're not looking at Man City and Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. If this time next week, literally, because it's, I think it's an 8 o'clock kickoff again, Villa could conceivably be on 36 points on, on 19 games. We had 35 points after 38 last year. So this season's clearly nothing like last season at all. Um from top to bottom, but that puts you on like 65, 66 points maybe. So that's like last season, that would be fifth place, one point off fourth, which is just, you know, touch wood, it doesn't go wrong from here on out. And there's a lot, there's a lot of the season to go left. Um, but that, that is just an inc- some turnaround that is. Thing is we've even, got more of a sample if, size now because even though we're not even at the halfway point, we were saying these kind of things after like five or six games. Like, oh, Villa yeah. could maybe put a, 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 a European run together. And you think, oh yeah, but we've only played five games. Like, let's not co- get carried away. We're almost at the halfway point now and are still performing to the same level and expected to perform over the same level. Obviously, injuries can hit and things like that, but... Obviously, people asking in the comments about Morgan Sanson. We'll get to him in a second. Just wanted to flash the league table up quickly because it feels like you just kind of have to look at it at this point. The biggest um, thing for me, like just just cutting in, is Villa could our preseason expectation was like fifteenth, fourteenth. Yeah, and I'd feel happy like with that. you feel like Villa could just do nothing from now on. Like probably turn up in a few games and achieve <laughs> that, yeah. which is again, it's just a mind blowing thing considering where, where we were this time. You know, last season probably worrying about things and uh, worrying about the way the season was heading, which is yeah. If, if you look at if you look at that top ten or even the top eleven, if you include Arsenal, and people are saying, well, you know, Chelsea have got a good side, you know, they, they could conceivably still get into the top six. You know, you know, like I'm talking about general pundits here, Chelsea, they're 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 a good bet for top six. I would say we're on level on points with them. We've played two games less. Our goal difference is better. So if everyone's talking about Chelsea, going, oh, they're a good side, they, they can get top six. Why Why is anyone writing off Villa, West Ham even, and Everton breaking in there and finishing in that top six or even, or even better than that? There's a serious chance Villa can do something here, which is, like I said, it's, it sounds silly. I'm not going to get too carried away, what, 17 games into a season. But why not get carried away? Why not enjoy it a bit? Just as, yeah. a, otherwise? Just as, a, as a, a slight update, apparently Dean Smith said that Jack Grealish had a tight hamstring um, and he's taken him off because of the, the four yellow cards. Uh, and he's gone to bed without any supper because of his strong <laughs> as well. So that's, <laughs> so that's uh, been turned off at home. That's <laughs> off the pressure. <laughs> off, off the press, yeah. He's had his um, PlayStation controllers put in a drawer as well. Um, so there you go. <laughs> Steve Bruce told him to roll his socks up as he walked past as well. That's it, yeah. Um, I've just been che- checking from, from Ash and... Um, Dean Smith's um, playing uh, playing his cards close to the chest. Bing! There's another um, cliche <laughs> for you over the, the Morgan Sanson thing. So, um, which is standard Dean Smith, isn't he? He doesn't, doesn't yeah. give much away until until the the ink is dry. Um, so, but it looks it looks imminent. He's going to have a battle, isn't he, to try and get the shirt off Marvelous the camera at this stage? <laughs> oh yeah, so is John McGinn as well. Um, yeah, I don't know how how he fits in. I don't know whether he comes straight in. I don't know enough about his quality. I mean, the logistics of signing a player during COVID who looks from another country. I don't know whether there were any signs. He's got, has he got to isolate for for two weeks? 
don't know. This is probably some research we probably should have done off the podcast. But I think there's like an elite sports waiver, so they, okay. the rules don't apply to them, so to speak. It's very interesting, though. I'll get one of the guys who's actually grafting on a Saturday night or on a Sunday to, <laughs> to do an explainer piece on that. It's interesting, though, because you, don't, you yeah. don't think about these things, you know. Well, yeah. Because if we sign him, I think, I think he's what? doing his medical in, in France is what I've seen elsewhere. But if we sign him next Wednesday, you think, oh, well, he might play against Southampton. But if he's got a right side for two weeks, we won't see him until the yeah. middle way through February. Yeah. So that is a that is a factor. But Pretty, is it a factor? It might not be. We've got to train with a mask for the next six weeks. <laughs> yeah, because he's coming uh, into our bubble, isn't he? He's moving to a different country. Like, you'd think it would have an impact. So, yeah, get, get someone on that and do some actual go. work. It's somebody who's better informed than us <laughs> and with more effort to actually research it. We'll, we'll bring that to you. <laughs> but when he does come, I mean, James... I'm going to ask you because I feel like you're maybe best, better place than, than either of us. Does he come straight in? Is it uh, Douglas uh, Louise, McGinn and Sanson midfield? And then you've got Ross Barkley. Does, does Greenish play out wide? And but I don't know. I don't know what happens. I suppose he's not going to come in and play straight away. But he, he's in, in, he's in, and what's the word? An upgrade on kind of how he's just left. You look into the bench and bring in a, a kid in Jacob Ramsey on at the moment when you need an extra midfield player. He will probably get less game time now as a result of this. But if that's the case that Villa have got a better squad because of it, that's that's all you want at this stage as a fan. I think he comes in. Uh, I don't, it's hard to see him coming in and starting after that performance, but I guess he comes in as a general upgrade. As much as I'm a big fan of Conor Harahan and his attitude especially, he comes in as a, an all-round backup as well. He can play defensive midfield. I think Martin Lawrence spoke to me and Matt about the type of player he was. Um, he can play defensive midfield, centre midfield, attacking midfield. He's a number eight. He can do pretty much whatever you need. So when Villa, if Villa lose Douglas Louise or they lose Jack, you know, Touchwood, this doesn't happen. You know, these players might get injured, whatever. You know, they might get suspended in Jack Grealish's case. He comes in as an all-rounder who can step up in any of these positions for Austin Villa with a certain level of quality. It's a general, as we've said in all the transfer stuff we've done in the past, it's a general improvement in the depth of the squad. And as much as I like Jacob Rams as well, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. He's a senior pro, isn't he, Morgan Sanson? So, and he's, mm. he's been playing at the highest level of French football. People still underrate that league. I don't know why, but you know he'll come in and maybe he'll be what Jordan Verratu should have been. Um, Jordan Verratu, he's, he's now killing it. He's done extremely well for Fiorentina and uh, and Roma since uh, leaving the Villa. So, and he, you know, I think people look over his season because it was releg- a relegation season. Nothing really mattered. Um, but I think he'll come in and. Uh, Finally, be the French player that leaves a lasting, uh, lasting positive impact over multiple seasons for Villa. Yeah, ten years, ten years this month since we signed um, another midfielder from the from the French league as well, Jean de <laughs> Macoun, who arrived in, his, arrived in his daddy diamond jumper. Um, what a jumper that was, by the way! You get, you get, one of those. You get the sense, <clears throat> you know. The very two ones really interesting, isn't it? Because it was almost a kind of it was a mishmash of of recruitment strategies thrown together is a bunch of players who we think have quality potential here's a couple of experienced senior senior english pros throw them together and get them to work now you think you get the sense that the current transfer committee of um joan Lange, um rob mckenzie christian perslow and, and dean smith now there's a little bit more thinking going into it they'll know exactly what this guy can do and how he how he's an upgrade on what they've got and how they'll fit him in um, mm. And not only that, and this is probably coming back as a little bit of a, a criticism of Steve Bruce again. But you know, when players arrive in the Villa dressing room now, they're gonna they're gonna be exposed to a high level of coaching that's gonna 
you know, probably, you know, this guy's mid twenties and he's played Champions League football. So, you know, he's, he, he, it's not as if he's a rookie, but mm. I think he'll get even better from playing in that Villa team. Um, so, you know, it's stating the obvious, but I, I think it comes with a plan now. Um, and Villa have done this in, in, in stages, haven't they? It's hard to transform the whole squad overnight, but they're just looking. Yeah. And from what I see, from what I hear about this guy and from what I see about the um, the price we're getting him for, which is um, derisory according to Villa's <laughs> bonus, but tough tough luck, mate. Uh, that's why we do the deals. Villa were right on the blower after that, weren't they, then? Oh, you, can't, <laughs> exactly. so you can't hit the airways like that, son. But, but what... what um, it looks it re- looks like it re- represents a fantastic bargain. Now we've said that before about players, and they haven't lived up to the the expectation. Um, but you know, to to get a player of that pedigree for the the, the price that, that that we've seen mentioned looks like a shrewd bit of business. Yeah, it also just makes the the squad stronger. Competition for the midfielders that are already there. Nakamba yeah. now has to work harder to keep his place. John McGinn's got to come back and get fight for his place. Conor Harahan, with all due respect to him, and I really like him, and I, I expect he'll go on and do do really well with Swans in, and hopefully get promoted. Um, I mean, he's gone out on loan, but you'd expect to lose permanently in the summer. Um, there's no threat of him coming on, is there? And, and affecting the squad to the rest of the players around them because they look, they look around at the bench, and there's a, a 19 year old kid coming on ahead of Conor Harahan. They look around the bench now: Marvis Nakamba, Douglas Weiss, John McGinn, whoever, Ross Barkley, and think there's a like you said a. A 26, I think, year old Champions League experienced midfielder sat there waiting to take my place here. I've got to up my game to, to stay in this squad, and we're pushing for Europe with Villa this year. So let's get my game about me. Conor Harran has not been has not been that player to, to come in and threaten anyone else in that midfield. So regardless of what Sanson himself brings as a footballer, it brings that mentality shift of I need to up my game here to to, to succeed and stay in this squad, and that benefits Aston Villa. That's the that's the process of building a squad. You also look at kind of the situation with Ross Barkley, who isn't an Aston Villa player full-time and he might cost a lot of money. The situation with Douglas Louise, where it looks every, like everything is lining up perfectly for Man City to execute that that buy option at the end of the season due to their, their squad circumstances and, and the, the transfer deal. We agreed with them in the first place to kind of line the move up like this. So I think Sanson, if you can play in every position in the midfield, it works really well for Villa because they get him, they can bed him in six months earlier than they need to when they need a replacement if Ross Barkley goes back and Louise leaves. So they've got that option there, which I think that to me, not playing Sanson immediately is like the best case scenario because it's like Villa, they're a club that thinks now. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that, James. It's yeah. almost like I know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's taking away the Aston Villa we've come to know and tolerate during these last ten years? This Aston Villa knows what to do. Hey, I wanted to, um, I wanted to wish James Chester a, a happy birthday. Uh, many happy, many returns. happy returns. Many happy returns. Do you want to tell the story of that, Dad? Because it still <laughs> makes me, uh, makes me chuckle. I mean, I know this is going out on Facebook Live. Personally, as as me, and this isn't as Claret and Blue or the or the company or whatever. Oh no, we fully endorse you. Yeah, all right. I hate Facebook personally. I don't use. Oh no, it, don't right? endorse that. I thought you were going to tag on some people with stupid comments. Mark Zuckerberg's coming in with. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't use it because I just don't think for what I use Twitter for in terms of talking about video and stuff like that. I don't think I can find what I'm looking for over on Facebook. So I did oh, a post God, today. That's still average name. No, 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 still loads of people watching. No offence to people that use Facebook. So this is from my opinion. But I put this post out saying many happy returns to, to James Chester, former villain. 
Um, what are your favourite memories of Chesley? Just to you know, see what people think about him. Everyone likes James Chester. Nice little post. He was celebrating a goal. And the top comment that came in straight away was saying, oh, well, I like Chester, but he's not back at Villa, is he? And someone else commented saying, I don't know what the point of this post is. He's a Stoke player now. He's not coming back. And I was like, hang on a minute. Have I just like, lost my mind a little bit to think many happy returns? Is like a, well, that isn't just like a black country thing that I've heard. Many happy returns means like, happy birthday, Matt. Many happy returns. Um, and people read it as, like happy return to James Chester coming back from his loan spell and he's he's back for Villa, which I mean everyone's like in this little football world and it's the transfer window, so maybe they just scrolled past it. Thought then I was like, there's like party emojis in the in the in the, uh, in the text as well. So I was like, so I had to tweet it saying, oh, I just lost my mind here. Like I am right in by in saying many happy returns is a thing. And I googled it after I spoke to my mom about it and googled it, and apparently, I mean, I feel like I've lost my head here. Apparently, many happy returns is a thing because you say many happy returns as in you want it to keep returning because if it keeps returning, you're getting older. So many happy returns as in the keep returning because you're getting older and you're having a a happy long life. That's where it comes from. Well, listen, it's an education. I thought it would be many happy returns in terms of, you return, you know, if you if you get good returns, it means you got get good presence or you get good things happening. <laughs> so, oh mate, every day is a school down there, isn't it? Oh, just brought his chest back. That's how my day started. A little, like, I saw it in my workshop thinking, oh, it's James Chester's birthday. I saw the uh, Villa official Twitter tweet about it. I was like, oh, I'll do a post for that as well for our for our audience. And that first one that came in, thinking that he'd return from loan, just just made me laugh. So, yeah, Dean says, Dan, just stick with happy birthday. It keeps you out of trouble. Um, also, never say return in a transfer window. So, yeah, maybe you're right. but oh, You know, you are going to get it now, though, Dan. It's uh, going to be uh, Aston Villa journalist tips James Chester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say, like, Dan Rowlandson previously appeared on the Clarity Blue podcast to talk about James Chester's return. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need to book better guests, James, I think. <laughs> um, right, should we uh, call it a day? Yeah, I'm off? done. What time is it? Is it 20 to 11? 20 to 11. I mean, it's another 8pm game next week for Southampton. I think it's a night game on, is it Wednesday? We play Burnley as well. So I do quite enjoy these late night podcasts. I kind of wind down for the evening and then I get wound up when there's uh, something gone wrong. But it's always nice when Villa win. Um so here's hoping to another couple of wins for Villa and we keep pushing up this Premier League table as far as we can, get those games in hand played and won and all of a sudden you're looking at a, a real push for top six or even better. So keep it going, Villa. You, you're doing us proud at the moment. We've got we've got quite a lot of fixtures, haven't we? Coming up, it's a, it's a busy schedule, schedule. So we're going to be back many times, you know, yep. into your in, holes in the next couple of weeks. In fact, there's going to be many happy returns from us, isn't there, over the next... <laughs> Oh, yeah. God. I think it's time. I think it's yeah, time. Yeah, it's time. Let's go. Thank you very much for everyone who's tuned in live, watching on Facebook, my favourite social media platform, or watching live on YouTube. Um, if you're watching this not live after the fact and thinking, what are we waffling on about? Why don't I edit this rubbish out? We do these live. There's no editing these days. We cannot save ourselves from the nonsense. So get involved. Get involved live after the games. You can leave your comments. You can interact with us. If you're not watching live, though, YouTube comment sections iTunes reviews, Spotify, all the rest of it. This is not an ad for whatever beer Matt Kendrick is currently holding up. We are not get paid enough, whatever that is. Don't like the taste of it, but it's 88 calories. Um, Speaking of many happy returns, hopefully the audience watching return for the next episode, which should be Wednesday evening, because I feel we're driving people away week by week. Um, So we'll be back on Wednesday evening for the Burnley post-match review. 
Um, we might do something else in the week and have the extra James maybe. We were going to do something transfer related and then put it off because of the COVID things. We might do that after the window's shut maybe. Or we'll do a Morgan Sanson episode, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. There'll be plenty of stuff coming. Stay tuned to the Carton Blue podcast. Uh, thank you all for watching. Thank you too for joining me this evening. And we'll thank see you again in a few days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa. Yeah.